An unusual school will enter the Pac-12 basketball season as the preseason number one. How did we get here? And what does Arizona need to do to be able to combat this? Let's get started here on Locked on Wildcats. You are Locked on Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for listening to Locked On Wildcats, your show every day. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right, now we got a lot to get to this show, but we are going to talk all Pac 12 basketball. Is there anything more exciting than that? Actually, there isn't, unless you're trying to hype up the overrated Big Ten, which is a crummy basketball conference, but we're not going to do that on this show. We're going to talk Arizona and we're going to talk Pac 12 hoops. So, uh, Arizona, or excuse me, the conference is going to go into the year with an unusual preseason favorite and a runaway favorite to be that, and that is University of Southern California. Now, um, I have long been a bigger Andy Enfield fan than most. I like Andy Enfield. I think he does a pretty good job at USC, all things considered. And you look at his record the last four years, and it's hard to argue with 99 and 34 and 58 and 26 in conference. He gets ragged on a lot. I don't really get it. But again, I like Andy Enfield. I think he's a pretty good coach. Um, but he this year you're going to have a lot of expectations on him because generally Arizona and UCLA go into the conference as the preseason favorites. That will not be the case this year. This year it will likely be uh, it will likely be Southern Cal. So what makes Southern Cal so good? What makes them so intriguing? Um, first, you got to start with uh, you got to start with some of their returning players that they got back, and that is Boogie Ellis. He is, um, he'll probably be the preseason pick to be conference player of the year. Maybe him or in Folly Dante, one of the two, but uh, either way, both those guys I think will, uh, will rightfully be in the mix right there. They are, um, but with Boogie Ellis, probably going to average 20 points per game this year. He averaged about 16 or 17 last year. I would imagine that number to go up. And quite frankly, I didn't think that, uh, I didn't think that he was going to come back. I didn't think that there was uh, any chance that he would come back, quite frankly, because um, when you watch Boogie Ellis, uh, you thought, well, he's a guard. You're bringing in the number one guard in the country. How is this one really going to fit? Well, Andy Enfield said, not only is it going to fit, we are going to make it fit. And so far, that is what he's been able to do. Now, I would imagine, unlike this past year, Boogie's going to be playing point. Um, and that's, uh, if you're a USC fan, you're probably all right with that. Um, he, because you move him off the ball, he was never really a natural point guard and you're bringing in the number one player in the entire country and Isaiah Collier at that point guard spot. So Boogie slides over to the two. Now, Isaiah Collier is one of the handful of best players in the country, uh, coming in. If he were to be a top five pick next year, I don't think that anybody would be surprised. Um, so you got that backcourt right there where you got Isaiah Collier and you got Boogie Ellis. Then after that, it becomes fascinating because at that, uh, uh, uh small forward spot, you got Bronny James coming in. Now, you know, Bronny James is a, a polarizing prospect, but 
I mean, when you look at it, that's what a top 20, 25 kid looks like. Um, he's definitely not the uber elite prospect that an Isaiah Collier would be, but he's really, really good. I mean, there's there's no other way around it. And I think people that are trying to say he's not good just don't like LeBron. Now, again, uh, to the super LeBron fans, he's not uh, he's not one of the top five players in the country. But again, he is good and he's probably a one and done. You slot him in there at that other guard slash small forward position and you're probably looking at somebody averaging about 10, 11 points per game, four assists uh, or four, four rebounds, three assists, something like that. And then you also have up front, you got DJ Rodman, very nice uh, pickup from Washington State. And then you still got Vince the Prince up front, Vince Iwachukwu. We like Vince Iwachukwu on this show. We're big fans of the Prince, as we uh, so call, as uh, Bill Walton has so dubbed him. Not a big Bill Walton fan, but I do like that one right there. Then you got jo- uh, then you got uh, Joshua Morgan and Kobe Johnson. This is a team that should be very, very good this year. And again, Andy Enfield's a few re- years removed from an elite eight as well. And he's done some very good things in conference. USC should win the conference. And in my opinion, they should win the conference easily. Then after that, Oregon. Oregon's going to be very fascinating. They've had a few dysfunctional seasons. But you return in Folly Dante, um, where Dante is going to be one of the best big men in the entire conference. um, Or excuse me, in the country, not just in the conference. He's going to be... Uh, I think he's probably going to be 19 and 11, something like that, barring injury. I think he's going to be a really, really good player for Oregon. I was surprised they were able to get him back. But again, that is a big, big uh, uh, get for uh, Dana Altman right there. Uh, So that's your best player coming back. Then up front, you got a couple different options. You got KJ Evans at the four or Nate Biddle. Both those guys can play. They're a little bit different, obviously. But KJ Evans is about six foot nine, NBA prospect, top 15 player in his class. Uh, very, very good. And you'd imagine that he'll be able to slide right into that one of those starting position or that starting position. Then you got Nate Biddle. Nate Biddle is um Nate Biddle is, I think, right now. Uh, kind of the X factor for them. Now, Nate Middles, Nate Middles, an interesting player because again, he is a uh, he's a top five. He's a he was a top fifteen five star type guy. It's taken him a few years to really. Uh, it's taken him a few years to really. Um, you know, I think get to where he needs to be. But here's what he can bring. Here's what he can bring. He can bring you. Um, he can bring you shot blocking and a three point presence, and he's not a stiff. Which counts for a lot. Uh, which counts for a lot when you're talking about big men. Then, um, so that's kind of where you are up front. You got three seven footers, three or let's say Evans is six foot nine. Three guys right there that can play. Then on the perimeter, it's you've got Mookie Cook, you've got uh, um, Devin Cambridge, transferred from ASU. But let's talk Mookie Cook for a second. Um, his ranking fell a little bit because he was busy playing LeBron this past year in a, a movie. So that, uh, again, that's a little unusual. Don't really have a, a, a train of reference for that. But still a good player, though. Um, and then besides Mookie Cook, you also have, uh, um, again, Devin Cambridge. And I believe you got Kuznard coming back as well. So therefore, there's some guys. There's some scoring options right there. Then at the point... You've got Jackson Shellstad, who I think is uh, 
flying up the radars faster than any of us could have imagined. Uh, he, now he's viewed as a top 25 kid out of Oregon. He and Keyshawn Bartholomew will be the two point guards right there. So you can imagine, I was talking with a buddy of mine about this. You can imagine Dana Altman going with a big zone, something like that, where you've got a lot of guys on the perimeter right there. And um, they are, you know, they're stretched out. They're doing all of that. Um, if there's any team in the conference that has more talent than uh, USC, it's probably Oregon. Um, but again, that is a, uh, those are the two teams right there. And, but again, we're not going to rule out Arizona right here because we're going to get to Arizona next. Arizona has a lot of things going for it. But another thing that has a lot of things going for it is Built Bar. All right, now, you look around at the most physically capable, the strongest people out there, and you say to yourself, what do they all have in common? Many of them are probably consuming Built Bar. It's that simple. I think with Built Bar, the great thing about Built Bar is um, it tastes good. How many times you go to the gym and you're like, man, I don't want to do this, or I don't want to eat this, This that sounds terrible. Built Bar has heard your complaints, and they are here for you. You can check it out at all your local GNCs. Um, and again, I like the blueberry fla flavor, but there's a lot of different things right there. Check it out. Built Bar, very good stuff, very good food. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about, well, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the University of Arizona. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. Now it's time to talk a little bit of University of Arizona basketball. All right. Now, the Cats are a fascinating uh, group right here because at about, you've got up front, up front, you've got uh, um, Umar Ballo returning. Umar Ballo, as we all know, is about 14 and 8 this past year. Not sure how much better Umar Ballo can get, but. Again, got to take it with a grain of salt coming from me because I didn't think the new Marballo was that good. I didn't think the new Marballo would be able to do that much in college, and he's done it. I thought when he came in here, I thought he would be somewhat of a, as I said before, some roster filler. He's much better than roster filler. He is a uh, – that is a compliment to roster filler right there because new Marballo is much better than that. But he's uh, – when he takes his time, when he plays with balance, he's pretty good. Um, I don't know how much better his body can get. Um, he finishes pretty well around the hoop, sometimes struggles with length, big body, and I think uh, which is something that we maybe have taken for granted, he wants it. He wants to be great, and that's something that I think uh, maybe we have taken for granted to a certain extent uh, with certain players around here. But, again, there's a lot to like about Big Umar. Um, I think the first thing that you look at is – you know, uh, can he get better? I think he can get better, but I think it's marginally. I don't think he's going to come back and average 19 and 10. I don't think he's got that ability to just dominate like an Infali Dante does, but he's good. He's very good, and he's a nice starting center for a team. But at that power forward spot, ideally you'd like uh, Kashad Johnson. Big man, uh, excuse me, big man out of San Diego State. Um, going to be transferring here. I would love to have Kashad Johnson um, because not only would he uh, be a nice little fit here, he would bring in some more toughness. We talked about that yesterday. Got to instill toughness here. And he would be a guy that would instill some toughness right there. That would be that would be a very nice get, in my opinion, for Arizona. Granted, you only get him for one year, but he would probably average 10 and 8 under Tommy Lloyd, something like that. So that would be kind of your front court. Then in the back, 
you're going to have a couple options. You're going to have Henry Vasar and you're going to have Dylan Anderson. Henry's definitely got more potential than Dylan, um, but I also have no clue if Henry's actually good or not. Nobody has any clue if Henry's good or not, uh, honestly. Um, the uh, Yes, honestly, nobody really knows. Um, the, uh, the one thing about it that um, – the one thing about it is that with Arizona – uh, with Arizona, you got to know that you're going to be able to score the ball. Now, there have been points. There have been points, though, with the U of A where you do wonder um, exact how are they going to be able to really score the ball right there? Um, and uh, let's how are they really going to be able to score the ball right there? And that's a question, but it's something that Tommy Lloyd has also done a very, very good job of doing. Um, he's Tommy Lloyd has been able to just do a tremendous job, quite frankly, of, of um, getting guys out there that can score. Now we're going to find out where that is. I don't know exactly how that's going to play out, but that one guy you need to be able to do that is Pella Larson. You need Pella to be able to, I think, to step in and make that next step. With Pella Larson, the, uh, with Pella Larson I think the one thing is that's always going to be fascinating is um, can he dribble the ball? Can he can he make plays off the bounce? I don't think that he can make plays off the bounce, um, and I think that will always limit him. The other thing that's odd about him that I've never quite understood is that um, why? Because his pops was a basketball player, and what I've never understood is why he allowed Pella Larson to shoot the kind of set shot that he does, um, and that's what I don't get. With the set shot that he shoots, um, it allow it basically eliminates you to be able to come off the bounce, um, to be able to, um, you know, make quick Kyle Korver type threes. He'll never be able to do any of that because he shoots a slow set shot that doesn't take advantage of any of his skills. I don't understand why he does that, but who knows? But you'd like to see him be 13, 14 per game. Then that's where it gets interesting because then in the backcourt, you bring in Jaden Bradley. Now, again, Sometimes it's it's never too late to make a good first impression. Jaden Bradley will be making a good first impression right here um, at the University of Arizona because he went to Alabama, but he understood the error of his ways and he decided to come back. X five star guard. Um, I'd look for him to average about ten and three this year, ten and four, something like that. I'm a big fan of Jaden Bradley. I think he adds some toughness to the equation, and that's something that Arizona uh, sorely needs put it to you mildly. And then at that other spot, Kylan Boswell. I think Kylan Boswell is going to be a beast this year. Big fan of Kylan. Um, if you were to tell me that Kylan Boswell will be um, 14 and six, I can totally see it. Now, again, I don't necessarily view uh, Kylan Boswell as being a great NBA or a NBA prospect, but I think that uh, Arizona, this has been long past due to hand the reins to somebody better than Kirk Creesa. And Arizona is uh, doing that. This is a massive upgrade bringing in uh, uh, Kylan Boswell or playing Kylan Boswell over Kirk Risa. And I think Tommy Lloyd's loyalty to Kerr probably got the best of him to a certain extent uh, last year. Because remember, uh, Kirk, Risa was, Kirk Risa was a massive liability in the NCAA tournament. Because here's the thing. He's a shooter that can't really shoot, talks a bunch, and he's just not that good. Again, you got four NCAA tournament games where he's three for 24 and doesn't do anything. 
He's just kind of there, overrated. Have fun with him in West Virginia. Um, but Kylan Boswell is a much better player than that. Now, you got to be able to get some other guys in here. There's no doubt about that. You've got to be able to get some better players um, as well at that uh, peri- on those perimeter spots. It'll be interesting to see if Arizona and if Tommy Lloyd can do that. But Tommy Lloyd has also shown that whatever concerns we have maybe about the scoring or the offense, he's going to be able to he's going to be able to get that one uh, get that one fixed. Um, and I think he will get it fixed because again, he's got the kind of talent there to be able to make that happen. It's just gotta be, you just gotta be able to make it happen. And then as far as our guy, Philly B, I got no clue what to expect from Philly B. I'm not going to even sit here and pretend to know what to expect out of Philly B other than I like Philly B and I root for Philly B, but I have no clue what his expectations should be. All right. Those I think are clearly the three best teams in the conference. Now, Let's talk about the also, including those dregs up at ASU. We'll be right back with you on Locked on Wildcats. Thanks for keeping it Locked on Wildcats. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right. Now, now, it's time to talk about the uh, the rest of the conference right here. UCLA. Um, is a mess right now. This is going to be their last year in the conference, and hopefully we send them off with a thud. Um, they uh, UCLA is just lacking basically everything. You lose Tiger Campbell. You lose Jaime Hawkes. Maybe you get back Jalen Clark, but at the same time, Jalen Clark is also going to be limited because he blew out his Achilles or he blew out his Achilles. This isn't a knee injury. This is an Achilles. That's a totally different thing. And that's going to be a problem for them in my opinion. Um, so that's kind of where that is. Um, now with some of the rest of them, you've got, uh, uh, some of the rest of the players, you got Eddie in, but he's not any good. Nobody's ever gone into a game and said, man, how are we going to stop Max Etienne? Um, Nawabu is the same way. Uh, you lose Amari Bailey as well. This is a team that right now should should be very good. And I know it's kind of weird to say that about UCLA, but it's true. And you know what? We will not shed any tears over it either because, again, UCLA just isn't, uh, you know, UCLA just ain't that good. Um, now, again, maybe he gets some, uh, he got, gets some uh, he's got a few transfers, um, but, this is not going to be the team that we've seen the last couple of years. And similar to Tommy Lloyd, Andy Enfield, or Andy Enfield, uh, Mick Cronin also benefited from having a, having a, let's say a, um, a nice situation handed to him because where almost all the Tommy Lloyd's guys were in and out in the first year, because again, you had, uh, you had Terry, you had Coloco and you had uh, Matherin all declare early. Obviously Tabellis came back. All the UCLA's guys, for the most part, stuck around. Hawkeyes stuck around for three years. Campbell stuck around as well. Uh, Jalen Clark, who I know is kind of a little bit in that transition period, he stuck around. So, again, you had a lot of guys that stuck around there that you're not used to seeing. Now those guys are gone. So we're going to find out exactly what's going on with Mick Cronin. I look for UCLA to take a big step back. Now, Freudian slip right there. Let's talk about ASU. ASU to me is fun, or ASU to me is fascinating because I thought that they would actually be pretty good this year, but I don't think they're going to be very good because they lost everybody. 
And it's a problem when you lose everybody. And when I say they lost everybody, they lost essentially everybody. You would assume Frankie Collins is going to come back. But up front, you lost Warren Washington. You lost the other Cambridge brother. Um, you lost Angel Nunez. You lost a ton of players. And again, Bobby Hurley is going to be bringing in some transfers. I get that. But there's just never any roster continuity at ASU. And Bobby Hurley isn't the kind of tactician that um, I think we'll be able to uh, make all of that work. So that to me is a little bit of a problem right there. Um, with uh, with uh, regards to you know what their future is with ASU, Bobby Hurley is good for ASU, and I've always felt that I'll maintain that that Bobby Hurley isn't a bad fit for ASU, mainly because Bobby Hurley. Um, you'll kind of always be in the play-in game. You'll kind of always be in the. Uh, you know, you'll be in that that periphery right there, but are you really going to matter? And that's the thing that I think a lot of us look at and say, yeah, I don't really know that you're ever going to matter. And I don't think that they really matter in that regard. Um, then the rest of the conference is not very good. And this is where it comes into it. Now, listen. In the Pac-12, we should see nothing here because the Big Ten every year is total garbage in basketball. Yet every year we hear about how great they are. They get 35 teams in and they all get bounced in the first round. And then we do the same thing again the following season. Um, so we admit nothing around here. But there are some bad teams in the Pac-12. We can uh, we can admit that. Uh, and some programs that I have no clue what they're doing. I have no clue what Stanford's doing with Jared Haas. Um, why Jared Haas is still their coach other than maybe just throwing in the towel, not being able to afford someone else, I don't get because Jared Haas clearly isn't good. Um, they haven't gotten any better. They haven't um, uh, They haven't really gotten any momentum out of it as well. I don't know what the fascination with keeping Jared Haas is. The same reason that um, I would have also gotten rid of uh, Jared Haas and brought in Mark Madsen. I have no clue if Mark Madsen can coach, but he does bring a fun degree of flexibility to um, uh, Cal right there. He's obviously a Bay Area native. Maybe there's a little bit of a trick up his sleeve. I don't know. Um, at Washington State, I like Kyle Smith, but he keeps losing every single good player that he has. Um, that's probably a reflection on him. Uh, that's not good, obviously. And besides that, I also, um, besides that, you know, Washington, I thought the Mike Hopkins hire was bizarre to begin with. You don't bring in uh, old guys from the East Coast to try to recruit young hip kids in Seattle. It just doesn't work like that. And it hasn't worked like that. Um, at Utah, I like uh, Utah. I like their coach. Um, I just wonder how good they can really be at Utah. Colorado, it's interesting. You're bringing in maybe the top player in the country in Cody Williams. Um, I actually think Tad Boyle gets beat up a little bit for reasons he shouldn't. He's certainly not a great coach. Nobody's looking at Tad Boyle and saying that guy's next level. But – I do think Tad Boyle is a pretty good coach. Um, and then, so we kind of, we've kind of run through the entire uh, conference right there. Again, Pac-12 fans, I tell you this. We admit nothing around here. Again, it's worked for the Big Ten. The Big Ten every single year says they're the best conference and people somehow believe it. That's how they trick people to get 35 teams in. We will start that same movement here out on the West Coast. We admit nothing. And we say that, all right, well, you know what? It's just because we all beat each other up around here. It's because we're that good. Okay. Now, fun episode today, everybody. We will be back with you tomorrow. Now, 
going to be talking a little bit about uh, Arizona. Going to be talking a little bit about Arizona basketball recruiting and the adjustments that Tommy Lloyd has made and where everything it needs to be going forward. But as always, you have a great rest of your Thursday. You've been listening to Locked On Wildcats.